As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome into The Shamrock, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on-demand. Learn more at directtv.com. I'm your co-host, Matt Fortuna, joined as always by co-host Pete Sampson. Pete, coming to you live from a very danky-looking hotel room somewhere on the (laughs) outskirts of Tallahassee. Bear with us if we have technical issues during this one, but we have a lot to talk about, Pete. I don't even know where to begin. I will say I'm glad we have this podcast to... uh, just have a lot of straight thoughts because I think that's the only real takeaway I can have from this oh. game. Stuff that you can't tweet and you can't write. Just a lot of examining to do because I don't know what I just watched for the last four hours. Oh God, it was it was entertaining. Oh, like that's that's where I would start. I mean, I think the <laughs> the thing that we've we you and I have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it in the Shamrock, but like the thing that I was most confident in Notre Dame football being this season was entertaining. And when I say entertaining, <laughs> I mean like entertaining from a, like a neutral observer point of view or a journalist point of view, maybe not entertaining from a fan's point of view, unless you're just like high scoring back and forth football. Um, I, there's so much for this team to get figured out. And I think, I mean, you saw some of it happen tonight for sure. I mean, Jack Cohn's a, is probably as good a spot to start as any. I mean, there was a point in the game where he had one more incompletion than he had touchdown passes. He finishes 26 to 35 for 366, four scores, a throwaway interception, really. But like, you know, didn't have anything to do with anything in the game. Uh, I thought he took shots vertically, um, you know, was willing to challenge DBs. I loved like the throw to Austin for the touchdown was great. I love the decision to throw it to um, Joe Wilkins in a, in a one-on-one jump ball. Like, I don't think that was not really a, an Ian Book thing to do. Like, if it was one on one and Ian Book was throwing it, it was probably more like a Chase Claypool or Miles Boykin, not Joe Wilkins. So, I, I really liked the cut of Cone's jib tonight. I think that he's got, you know, it's like you talk to people that know him, uh, and I wrote about him this week, and I've talked to a handful of people back on Long Island. And you don't know if it's like. When you hear about, like, oh, Wisconsin let the wrong guy go, um, you don't know if it's, like, the Long Island talking or, like, it's a thing. But, I mean, you watched Wisconsin-Penn State on Saturday. 
and we watch Notre Dame tonight, like that's the only conclusion you could draw at this point. That like Notre Dame probably got the better guy out of that deal. And I I just the thing that I, I liked about him most is like he he sort of knew knew the game with Mayer, Williams, Austin, Lindsey, Wilkins, Tyree, like he got the ball where it needed to go. Um and that that it's sort of an undersold part of like where Notre Dame's offense is. Like they they have an abundance of playmakers. They don't have one guy or they just don't have two guys. Now they've got like four or five. I, I loved everything I saw from him tonight. You know, I, I didn't actually get a chance to watch most of that Penn State Wisconsin game, although I saw the stats, I saw the score. It was ugly. Um, I think much of my preseason basis for picking Wisconsin over Notre Dame was hey, Wisconsin had both these guys and they chose not Jack Cohn. So. I mean, what do they know that Notre Dame doesn't? Um, <laughs> that doesn't look so hot right now, although it's a very small sample size, and we know that Notre Dame has its own issues to work out between now and then. But I loved every single thing I saw from Jack Cohn tonight, from uh, the opening drive to the postgame press conference. He was just one cool customer. It feels weird to say it about a guy who hasn't played college football in two years and who we haven't seen in a Notre Dame uniform. But, uh, you know, they get the ball back with less than a minute left after Florida State ties the game. And frankly, I'm fully expecting them to march down in the field goal range. And they would have if their best player didn't yeah. drop the ball. Um, right. Which, that wasn't his first drop either. I mean, there were multiple instances. I mean, Michael Mayer had two drops himself. And look, he's probably the best player on the team, so you don't want to be too harsh on him. But, um, you know, there was... He should have finished with 11 catches for a buck fifty, At least. Uh, I'm surprised they even targeted more than they did. And, I mean... Look, there are probably 12 different instances I could point to in the first half where I'm like, this shouldn't be a game right now. Notre Dame should have stomped this out early. They let Florida State hang around every way possible. And the worst parts of Notre Dame's program, or 2021 team, I should say, came to fruition in real time. It was like watching a horror movie unfold for 15 minutes. If you're a Notre Dame fan there, that fourth quarter, just just burn it. I mean, it was not pretty. Um, I mean, I, I was, you know, I mean, watching it, but like, yeah, I, I, I stopped taking play-by-play notes and started like preparing for a podcast and started looking at Toledo. Like I, I was turning the page after the third quarter. I mean, it was an 18-point Notre Dame lead that felt like it should be a 25 or 30-point Notre Dame lead. I mean, even at halftime, like it was like, all right, they got the lead. Like they're good. Like they they got that bad part behind. As soon them. as Tyree oh. scored off Hamilton's, I think second pick, like that should have been it. Like they should have won the game by 10 points, and then suddenly. You know, Houston Griffith, who, like, really did a nice job, like, delivering a blow to Jordan Travis, but it was just a little bit too a little bit too much because his helmet popped off, and lo and behold, that, like, then the McKenzie-Milton era starts uh, out of nowhere, and Florida State sort of had Notre Dame on skates at that point. I mean, this was one of those games where we could play so many hypotheticals and what ifs. Like, part of me is, like, did Florida State start the wrong guy? Because clearly they looked better under McKenzie-Milton than they did under Jordan Travis. Now... He was facing a much more fatigued Notre Dame defense. The magic of the moment, if you want to call it that, I mean, it was a special moment that, I mean, there was a, a level of juice and energy and momentum with Florida State that you cannot simply bottle up and replicate at any point in time, maybe in the history of that program, when you see a guy yeah. who's been through what he's been through come through the way he did there. And I, I know Florida State fans can, can debate that among themselves, whether they started the wrong guy or not. But, I mean, Nerdy really got after Jordan Travis. I mean, the numbers Ooh, won't yeah. show it, but they made life absolutely miserable for him. Um, that third and goal play from the eight, I thought, was another like late should have been a backbreaker 
game over type of play. And somehow Jordan Travis doesn't go down, keeps it alive, scores. And they just kept hanging around. I mean, there was the non-call on the ref and the punter penalty after. And it, it, it was just everything that could have gone wrong for Notre Dame in the fourth quarter went wrong for it. I don't think it should have ever come to that. Uh, but you know what? It, it was week one. It was a – it was uh, – it had a little bit of everything. I mean, it was everything we loved and missed about this crazy belligerent sport. Um, and it, 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 I, there are a lot of good things I could take away from this about Notre Dame. There are a lot of things that would really cause for concern if I'm Notre Dame coming out of this. But, but I think we hit the most important part, which is their quarterbacks are really freaking good. And, you know, depending on how, how quickly everyone else comes along, I, I think they can go places with this guy. Yeah. I, I, I think my takeaway, like, I don't know if, like, my outlook, like, everyone, you know, I'm guilty of getting too big picture sometimes, but, like, I don't think my outlook about Notre Dame changed at all um, from today. Like, maybe some things are a little bit better, some things are a little bit worse, but, like, the net of what I see of Notre Dame's season is is sort of unchanged, um, which, like, we can get into this later, but, you know, do you view North Carolina differently? Do you do Wisconsin differently? I just sort of, like, Notre Dame's strengths and weaknesses are probably similar to what they thought they were going to be. Um, I didn't expect Jack Cohn to be as good as he was, but I also didn't expect Notre Dame's rush defense to give up 264 yards. Um, I mean, that is a that is a huge number, and I'm going to spend some time going back and figure out when's the last time they got gashed quite like that. Um, I feel like it's been a long, long, long time, and it's – you know, there there was a point in the game where you could sort of play the well. If you took out Deshaun Corbin's eighty-nine yard run, Florida State's averaging two point five yards per play. Like it's just one play pop. But by the end of the night, it wasn't that way. Um, you know, Florida State was able to just sort of run when they wanted on them, and that that is um, that's a concern. I I asked Brian Kelly after the game, um, you know what do you want Marcus Freeman to take out of this? Like what, what does he need to learn from Sunday night? And it's like, I thought I interpreted his answer of being like, you got to be a little bit more conscious of your personnel. You can't be blind to who's in the game when you're making calls. Um, you got to protect players that need to be protecting. Like on the 89 yard run, I, th- I believe that Shane Simon was in the game. TJ uh, Brown was in the game. Uh, there's uh, you know, Riley Mills was in the game. Like they had a, some no, heavy number twos in there. Um, you know, when you're playing against a team that wants to match up Houston Griffith one-on-one out of the backfield, I think you, you got to be aware of that. Um, that's not, that wasn't a great matchup at the time. Um, so, you know, I think teams are going to probably stop trying to run up the middle on Notre Dame and run wide. Um, I as, as much as I, I love the games of Drew White and J.D. Bertrand, they're like downhill football players. Um, when you get them moving in space, it's a little bit trickier. So I, I'll be interested to sort of see how that works. But um, it was just like I was really struck by the departure of the first half to the second in terms of the pressure that was on Travis. Um, and not that like he was standing back there un, um, you know, unperturbed in the second half, but um, I just felt like in the first half he was running for his life all the time. Like it was – it felt like very unsustainable to me that Florida State would even be in the game um, because if you can't protect your quarterback, you can't win. 
Yeah, I mean, it felt like multiple games within games. I mean, I, I tweeted at halftime, like, yeah. yeah, this is the Louisville game all over again, just like we said, and then quickly crane toward the Texas game from 2016 when they couldn't stop a nosebleed, and it goes into overtime, and a crazy environment of a sleeping giant power is about to come back, and almost did if they didn't ice their own kicker, crazy enough, which is another like thing that I almost forgot about when looking back on the last 60-plus minutes of football. I mean, it was um, just a wild game, but I, I will say, like... I didn't think the offense line would struggle as much as it did. Um, to, to see Notre yeah. Dame, average, I would like. I really want to spend some time on that. Yard um, carry on rewatch. That's just not something or today or whenever, whenever time it is. I, I mean, I think Florida State they're much better, but I, I still think that's going to be a, a better than average, but not great football team when all is said and done at the end of the twenty twenty one season. Uh, to see Florida State do what they did, rushing the football. Um, despite that pressure, um, I did not see that coming. Um, it, it, it just felt like, I don't know, mentally, Notre Dame had checked out. The offensive line, to me, that's what I want to watch most on the on the rewatch today or whenever I get to it, um, maybe while I'm at the airport in three hours here. Because it was not a great vantage point from the press box at Doe Campbell. Um, the, the windows were fogging up just not an ideal situation to watch that. You know, I, I didn't really get a good sense of like what the line looked like after Blake Fisher went out. I don't feel like they've got a ton of push up the middle with, with Zeke Carell and Kane Madden out, but that's the kind of stuff that is, is good to watch again and sort of get a sense for yourself. But I feel like the offensive line might just sort of be okay. Like they're, they're not, it's not a great line. I don't think it's going to be like a disaster by any stretch, but I think it just might be kind of an average line, um, which is probably below average by Notre Dame standards. But this just might be what they're working with this year. Um, and that, you know, maybe that leads to more offenses that are slightly imbalanced or balanced more toward the pass game than the Notre Dame likes to be. And I, I mean, I think one of the things is I felt this way during the game and I tweeted out like, Third and one is not necessarily a rundown anymore. Um, fourth and two, fourth and one, that's not a rundown anymore, where it's like you sort of knew what you were getting from Notre Dame last year. Now it's almost like the playbook's totally open. I, I'm be curious to sort of see how things evolve in that direction. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting looking back. I mean, the same group last year in 2020 that was so dominant was the same starting five from 2019 that had similar struggles when it came to third and short situations. Uh, yep. Now, that being said, I, I, I was very surprised. I mean, I, I, 
I knew this was going to be a struggle and a test for that group. And I thought felt for a half it played out that way. Like they were still a little overwhelmed by the moment. There were two snaps that Cone dropped. Now they might have been on Cone, but still a, not exactly a sharp uh, operation in the early going there. Uh, we'll see what happens to Blake Fisher. Brian Kelly said it looks like a strain or a sprain, not any structural damage to the ACL or MCL. I mean, maybe that's a week. I don't know, but we'll see. Probably no need to rush him back for Toledo. But I, there's just one of those box scores, one of those games that, that just I, – I'm so not used to seeing that with Notre Dame where they, they really struggle to run the football like that. And they have three receivers who so have 80-plus yards. Probably should have had more and more yards among those three. And Jack Cohn – was able to do pretty much whatever he wanted, even when he was under pressure at times. I mean, it was a very thorough, impressive performance. And conversely, I mean, I thought the D was going to take a step back from last year. And I know this, again, was a crazy environment, new coordinator, um, uh, playing a team that was emotionally charged in a way that not too many teams, I think, will be this year uh, when they play Notre Dame. But, I mean, you have a 12-man on the field penalty in the fourth quarter in the red zone. Greg McElroy was basically calling him out multiple times. Like, Florida State's doing the same thing every single time. Why do you have three down linemen up there? And why don't you commit to stopping the run more in short yardage situations? And it was weird because Florida State just doesn't and really hasn't had a good offensive line since the, the middle or late years of the Jimbo Fisher era. And they played better as the game got along. And it's supposed to go the other way when you're talking about right. poor offensive lines. And Florida State found something in the run game that they were able to go to. And I don't know if it was just lulling Notre Dame to sleep the way I think a lot of people were when it was an 18-point game and it felt like it should have been a bigger game. But it, it flipped on its head really quickly, and then Milton comes in, and it's like a whole new ball game. What's going on here? Because, um, again, Notre Dame, I think they scored touchdowns on every single drive in the second half until that roughing penalty on the punt, and then they punted again, and then they – frankly, should have ended in regulation if not for the drop. Like, the offense did not, like, stall. Now, they weren't – they couldn't grind out the clock the way they could have in years past, which, again, is going to be a cause for concern. But they're still moving the ball. They, they – there there was no indication that, like, the combination that ended up happening to Notre Dame's offense and Florida State's offense was going to allow Florida State to get back into that game. And, frankly, when it got to overtime, I just thought – it's one of those nights, like, <laughs> you know, much like Texas five years yep. ago, uh, Notre Dame, like credit to them. Now, if Dorr missed that kick, we're having another conversation about why they basically didn't run any plays in overtime and went under center three straight times. But I, I, you, know, you got to do that. Like, you can't not risk it, uh, I think, when you have a, a veteran mm-hmm. kicker like that. Um, but it's just, it was such a weird game. I mean, I, I don't know. This might be good for business for Peacock next week. I don't know. Maybe more people want to sign up and say, what, what team is this that we're going to see? Or maybe well, they're, just, they're giving up on them. I don't know. I, I, what what stat feels like classic Notre Dame more than like second heart, second half rushing production? Florida In the second half, Notre Dame rushed, excluding overtime, 13 times for three yards. Florida State rushed 30 times for 151 yards. Like, the 30 for 151 is, like, classic Notre Dame from last year and the last few years. Like, that's how they played the game. So, I and this was another question I put to Brian Kelly. It's, like, the ability to win a game in this way with, with, with new characters. Like, Notre Dame has not really won a shootout-type game before. Like, 
the the Clemson double overtime from last year, the scoreline is similar, but the flow is totally different. Like Notre Dame scored at the very beginning and they scored at the very end. They didn't do anything in the middle and they had a defensive touchdown. So um, this was just like they got in a shootout and came out the other side. They were in a situation where they, you know, were also plus three in turnover margin and went to overtime. Like that's actually pretty difficult to do. Um, I have reached out to our all-time stats guru to to get clarification. I want to know like what's the winning percentage when you're plus three in turnovers. I got to think it's like high eighties. Um, and yet, like this felt like a game Notre Dame was going to lose for a few minutes there when when Milton really had it rolling. When's the last time they had a walk off? Um, could it have been the music? The music. City oh Bowl yeah, yeah, yep. yep. LSU, Brenza. I'm trying to think if there was one between then and now. I don't think so. Um, nothing comes to mind, but if there is, I'm sure people will point it out. Um, yeah, so it's they haven't had this kind of game before. I mean, I feel like when Notre Dame gets in these high-scoring shootouts, they're like they're the loser. Um, they don't they don't manage to pull out the other side of these. Like the one-score games that Notre Dame wins in my mind are the ones where they win. 28-20, and they held the ball for the last seven minutes and 12 seconds of the game to run out the clock, not getting way up, having Florida State come back, um, and then winning in overtime. But, like, just like to put a statistical point on the defense, like I noted this during the game, Notre Dame gave up two plays of 60 yards each. In the three years of Clark Lee running the defense, they gave up three 60-yard gains the whole time. It was at 38 games, I believe, if my math at 2 a.m. is correct. Um, you know, Clark Lee allowed 35 points in regulation once in 35 games. Those 38 games, it was the it was the Michigan debacle, um, and then Notre Dame gave up 38 in regulation tonight to Florida State. So it's it's just a weird, it's a weird deal, man. Like, um, it's I don't know what to make of the defense, but. There, I mean, there's definitely some stuff to get concerned about. Like, I don't know. The point of contention for Notre Dame more is it more? What bothers you more if you're Notre Dame? The inability to run the ball, or just sort of the defense being a little bit all over the place? Defense, good and bad, frankly. Right? I mean, yeah, but I mean, they played in the backfield quite a bit. Both are concerns right now. Defense is more concerned because I. Even though I didn't expect the offense line to be this bad, you knew it wasn't going to be. You knew there was going to be a steep drop off, especially in week one. Um, the defense is concerning just because, like that, like Notre Dame was up eighteen points and should have been up by a lot more, in spite of its offensive line. Like the defense just had to keep the ball in front of it, so to speak, and not screw up, and they weren't unable to do that in the fourth quarter. I mean, yep. when you look at you watch the first two drives of that game. Cone goes four for four. They got a touchdown pass to Mayer on fourth and one, which I love that they went for it there. I think Mayer dropped a third down throw on the second drive that would have kept it alive. But Florida State's first two drives offensively, six plays minus 19 yards, almost sacked on the first third down, an actual sack on the second third down. Like it was like, all right, this is this is what I expected. Like the the line again, Vegas knows everything, man. I mean that, that line dropped to like six and a half or seven, and I thought, who the hell's putting money on Florida State? to say within a touchdown of these guys and whoever did made some money tonight. But uh, it looked early on like I thought it would look. And, you know, Florida State gets – I wouldn't say it's a fluky play, but 
they had one really long touchdown run that completely changed the, the tenor of the game and gave them some confidence and got them back into it. But even they're thinking, I mean, it's 31-20, right, when they go for it deep in their own territory and fourth down, which, I mean, personally, I'm fine with. I wish coaches went for it on fourth down all the time, especially when you're an underdog. But, like, Joe Tess and, and McElroy and, you know, all the fans at home are watching thinking, like, what's Mike Norvell thinking? Like, this is – why are you giving up so early? Why are you so desperate? And then Notre Dame scores right after that. And it's like, oh, you just blew any chance you had. And like, that's how it felt. And obviously that's yeah. not how it uh, how it ended up playing out. Um, but I, I'm less concerned about the offense line because of all the other good things we saw on offense, particularly on third and fourth down. I, I mean, we've talked a lot on this show about like, I know Tommy Reese has heard from everywhere. What's the offense going to look like? Is it going to be vanilla? Is it going to be like last year? Is it going to be this? I think the first question of Brian Kelly tonight was like, hey, different offense huh, than it was last year. Um, Cohen at one point of the game was on third and fourth downs, was 8 of 11 for 171 yards with four touchdowns. And most of those were like third and one, fourth and one, like short plays where whether you could have run it or not, Florida State didn't know that coming into tonight. Uh, The threat was still there. And Cohen really made him pay when he found those guys in favorable positions. And, and, I, you know, Joe Wilkins did not know he had that in him. I mean, that, that wasn't the best – one of the worst balls Cohen probably threw all night, and it wasn't a bad throw, but it was a throw that should have been intercepted, in my opinion. Yeah. And Wilkins went up there and ripped it away, dealt with a face mask that wasn't called, and a bunch of other shenanigans that were happening as he came down with the ball. I mean, that was a great <laughs> play by the receiver. And Kevin Austin looked like the type of Kevin Austin that I think a lot of us hope to see this year. So I came out of it with more good on the offense – Less, uh, I don't know, less down on the offense than I am on the defense because I saw so many other good things on offense. I mean, I'm interested in sort of going back to one of the things that Brian Kelly told me this summer that they would have to call offense and different defense differently based on the strengths of each side. Like they thought the defense was going to be more aggressive and give it more big plays. They thought the offense was also going to have to push the ball a little bit more. Like I got the the sense in the summer that like. Games like this, um, maybe not quite this crazy, but you know, let's just say like Notre Dame holds on and they win. Like Florida State comes back, they score a couple touchdowns. Like the game ends thirty-eight twenty-eight or even thirty-eight thirty-five. Like that, that kind of game, I think, is something Brian Kelly was prepared for um, when the season started. Just because it was like, all right, I know what the strengths of my team are. So be it. Um, not everything's perfect here, but. Uh, there, you know, it's going to be a little bit more back and forth, and that's why I use the term entertaining. Because if you just like watching college football, like this was an awesome game. I I will be very interested to sort of see what the number is on this game uh, mm-hmm. next week. Like we've, you know, Andy Staples has talked about what is the four million yeah. club of games. This got to be um, there. Like, I mean. I, this would be crush that is the only game on. I wonder if this could be like an eight or a nine million game. Um, because it was so entertaining. No, and by word of mouth, more people, I'm sure, were t- tuning in at the end, too, because it ended up being just an incredible game, and, and it really could have gone either way at the end. I mean, it was everything I missed about this sport. And again, it wasn't like just talking to Dame fans. It was not a, a, a fun experience. Jack, what Jack Cohn say? He said, uh, 
they said, could you ask for any more excitement in your game? He said, I think it was a little too exciting for my liking. <laughs> they would have liked to have won by more points and got out of there sooner. But, um, I mean, it was a great game. It was a great atmosphere. I mean, you were there. I mean, you're in a shady room right now, yeah, but I'm no. sure you were glad to go there. It was, it looked fun. I'm just going to stay awake until I go to the airport. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it felt like a big time college football atmosphere and, you know, the Rose Bowl didn't feel that way. The ACC championship game didn't feel that way. Notre Dame Clemson part one didn't feel that way. Like last year was, was the, that feeling was prohibited. Um, so it was, it was cool to be there on site, even if the views were a bit foggy. Um, and just like even walking around the stadium, there was good electricity beforehand. It definitely felt like if you were wearing Notre Dame gear, you were taking some unnecessary risks. Um, because Florida State fans weren't having it, but, um, but we missed that too, didn't we? <laughs> last yeah, year. God, no, I well, I yeah, we missed that part of uh, college <laughs> football. Jag fans, um, but it, yeah, it was just it was loud. People were into it. Um, the band, the Bobby Bowden tribute at halftime, I thought was very cool. Uh, before the game, there were four fighter jets that flew by. Uh, I didn't see the flyover itself because I was like in the press box, but like. 45 minutes before the game, they were just sort of testing it out. And like they got real low and it was real loud and it was pretty cool thing. So I was, um, yeah, I, I missed that. And like, again, I think when I say that people are like, are you crazy? This game almost killed me. I'm like, no, I'm just, I love the scene. I love the spectacle. Like, you know, whether Notre Dame wins or loses doesn't have a huge impact on that. Um, and in a game like this, I mean, you you just can't ask for much more entertainment than a walk-off field goal in overtime after the Kenzie Milton story, before the Jack Cohn story, uh, all the new parts on Notre Dame and how they can figure it out, put it back together. Like, there was just, there was so much good stuff to pick through. I mean, everybody won, not to sound all hokey, but like, the team that was supposed to win won. Um, they made it a lot more interesting for their fans than they should have. And Florida State, even though they are like a superpower, a blue blood, their fans, I mean, you were there. It looked like they were saluting them when they were walking off the field. Like, they gave them a was, product. They were into it. And that, that was, that. I mean, that was something I heard, like, in Florida, like, around Florida. Like, this was as interested and invested as Florida State fans were in Florida State football since, like, the first game of the Willie Taggart era. Yeah, I mean. Like, it's, it's been that long since they've had anything to be, like, to give a crap about. You can't, you can't come out of that as a Florida State fan, like, and feel... I mean, upset they lost, especially in a game they probably should have won if they didn't ice their own kicker. But, like, you can't feel disappointed with what your program was the last four years and the direction it's going, Um, especially when you see what the ACC showed on the field this year. You're thinking, why can't we be maybe not a contender of the Atlantic, but a top two or three team in the Atlantic this year? Why can't we win eight games, nine games, and get to a bowl game? We just went toe-to-toe with a – Team that was in the college football playoff two of the last three years. The second best right. team in the ACC last year. I mean, Florida State fans have to come out of there feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, you know, the, the McElroy really early on harped on the uh, – was joking about the game manager stuff because he was always called that when he won a, a, a national title at Alabama. And after that third quarter touchdown to, to Kevin Austin, he screamed, Jack, don't call me game manager Cone," which I thought was a fitting tribute for – <laughs> from one to another um but it, it was just a fun game like i i, I i'm almost out of words like it, it just like we didn't even talk about kyle hamilton who we already knew he was superhuman but like now the world got to see it tonight like 
That second yeah. pick was unreal. And the other, he he forced the third pick with Lewis. He got his hand in there on a short pass where he really didn't need to because he was going to tackle the guy behind the line of scrimmage anyway. And it, the ball jarred mm-hmm. loose and it allowed Lewis to pick him off. I mean, it was just – it literally had everything on both sides of the ball. I don't know what more you could have asked for. No, I mean, it was, it was just great entertainment. Um, so I hope that Notre Dame provides more high-quality entertainment the rest of the season. That, that's the big takeaway, right? Like, we had a lot of questions about this team. We felt really good about a lot of parts about this team. And now it's like, whew, buckle up. This this is good. Like, even if they are really good, it's not going to be easy because um, they're not good enough no. to make it easy, at least not yet. Uh, I mean, Toledo should be easy. Purdue should be easy. But, I, you know, Wisconsin, I mean, it's easy to see the box score yesterday and think, well, Notre Dame's path to the playoff just got a little bit easier. And then you watch tonight and think, well, nothing's going to be easy. This Like, nothing will be taken for granted. Like, you can't look at the team that went out there tonight and think, oh, they're going to win them all this year. Like, you just can't. They, they will get better. Um, that's what teams do. That's what good teams do throughout the course of the season. But now it was like, like when we were doing our scene predictions, it was like, I'll take USC to beat him. You'll take Carolina to beat him because we think a second loss is coming somewhere. Now, <laughs> shoot, yeah. they're all they're all fair game in right. that department right now because you just don't know. Yeah, was, I mean, like, who was the best looking Notre Dame opponent last weekend? Cincinnati, USC, or Cincinnati? I guess I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't think there was. I mean, USC looked that yeah, great. No. So um, Purdue beat Oregon State. Yeah. I mean, is that whatever? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. You're not included. No, it, <laughs> it, it was. Uh, that's what I love about week one, the overreaction. Maybe it's Virginia Tech. I don't oh, know. yeah. There you go. Actually, there's your answer right there. And that's a road. You know, Notre Dame goes on the road to Virginia Tech. Um, you know, and that's not a game I think that either, we either of us spent a lot of no, time we, considering. We said, for, as a loss. we said after they get blown out by Carolina in the opener, they're yeah. not going to be as invested. And, well, it shows you how much we know. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we did at least compare this game to the Louisville game from two years ago. I feel like that was spot on. For half. And then, te- for a and while. then Texas for the second half in overtime. Only yeah. one overtime this time. But. Um, <laughs> we we didn't even talk about Brian Kelly yet, who is the talk of the town as no, usual. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's a real disconnect between people like me and you, who like know his sense of humor and how like awkward it is sometimes, and people who are just like, "What is with this guy? Like, what does he mean? Is he really mean to set like execute? Like, no." Brian Kelly makes these kind of jokes probably a few times a year. They rarely land well. They're, but they're, fortunately for him, they're rarely done with an ABC ESPN sideline reporter mm-hmm. on national television. Usually it's at a press conference where it's just like the rest of us. Um, yeah, that uh, that that one, I don't think people were getting the punchline on that one. No, I mean, I don't, I, I don't care. Like it, it's, it's fun stuff for me and you to talk about. But, yeah, you're on ABC on probably the most watched college football game of the season. Like me and you might get Brian Kelly, the 7 million who watched tonight probably don't. And because yeah, when we check the number on, yeah, but I will say I was texting with someone after and they're like, he just seems like he doesn't care anymore. Like he's just kind of out there saying whatever he wants, whatever he wants. I'm like, they're definitely like he was his vibe in camp was no, but his his post game, his post game vibe tonight was like, Felt like he got off. Oh, yeah, Felt like he got off the amusement he park ride. He was just like, "Hey, that was fun, wasn't it? Hey, media, what do I gotta do to get a, a roughing call around here?" Like, it was like not. <laughs> I expected a much more tense, wound up guy after going through that gauntlet no, for four hours, and he was 
you know, he's sweating. He's got the hair back like he's been at the bar all night or something. Like he looked like he was coming out of a sitcom. And <laughs> it, it, it was just a weird vibe. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really care what he says. Like, if, if, I think that if, he enjo- like he would admit it, but like his body language and the way he was sort of getting wound up post game was just like, man, that was fun. Yeah, like, no, I, that's had, like, as if he had a good time. With no, him, which I'm not sure that he did, but he just came across. No, like he that. definitely came across that way. It, it was <laughs> my old thing is like, if you got to explain the joke, then it's a terrible joke. Like, I, I, I right. it's not the first time he's made that exact joke in reference to. To John McKay's execution quote, um, he did it. I want to say after the Arizona State loss in 2014, but um, I will say this is the second podcast I the last three recorded where we basically are interpreting interpreting for our listeners what Brian Kelly means. Um, and I will also say this is the second straight game dating back to the Alabama game last year, where post game he either made a suicide reference or an execution reference. Which is like not a good streak right now if you're Brian Kelly. And again, in a nutshell, Boy, they all are what they are. Goals for Toledo. He's, he, goals for Toledo. <laughs> yeah. We're, there should be a point where like me and you don't have to like I won't say come off as defending him, but like interpret him. Like he's Decode. he's a grown man. Like yeah. he knows what he's saying. He can like he can control himself one of these days next time he gets in front of a mic. Like I don't think that's asking. I too appreciated much. you tweeting out his uh one of the local reporters asked, like, I think half jokingly, like, what's with the execution? Almost like, what's with the execution <laughs> quote from TV? And he was like, can't we have any fun in here? Like, just don't you guys get my jokes? And we're like, yeah, we get your jokes. He was like, ah. We get them. They're not yeah, really was, funny, but. <laughs> yeah, he was just. He was just trying to get on a roll. It really was a terrible uh, delivery. Like, if you go back and watch, you're like, all right, like, what? And, like, I knew exactly what he was trying to do. The minute he said that, I'm like, don't. Brian, don't. It, you, it's done. Yeah. Just say it was a good game. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. No, he's, I think he was He was probably as, like, what did I just watch as much as some people at home? I mean, because I, I wonder how much he felt like this kind, the game could have played out the way that it did. I would have to think that he would. he had seen stuff in camp that would lead him to believe that, like, this was a possibility. Although, like, when you and I were there, or like when I check on what's going on in practice, the vibes I got that was the offense was better than what we had seen. Um, but I didn't get any warning signs that the defense was in trouble or like the run defense was susceptible to big gains. And then, you know, lo and behold, they're giving up 260, 260 plus. So I, I wonder how, if he was just like, wow, crazy game. Like, I need some time to sit down and think about this. Well, I mean, as a head coach, you got a lot to work with off this one without any real consequence mm-hmm. as close as much as you towed the line with that later on, late in the game. I mean, it would be very easy to win this game 38-20 like it looked like it was going to be for a long time. And for all yep. of us, not in that locker room, to say, holy crap, that was a really good performance for the most part. They got a few kinks to work out. Find me a team on that schedule that's going to beat them this year. And I think you're allowed to think that way as a fan and as a follower of the program when you've had the kind of success that Notre Dame has had in recent years, which again and again and again, they win the games they're supposed to win. They don't always win the games they shouldn't win, but sometimes they do. And like r- rarely are they going to play down to their competition. And yeah, I don't... <clears throat> I do think tonight they played down to their competition because we saw for much of the game what the difference between those teams was and should be. 
Um, but I also think there were enough flaws exposed tonight with that team where you at least I think you at least brace yourself or prepare yourself for the next moment like this and know that like it's not going to be smooth sailing this year. Um, there's not going to be so much of a, a blown game or a gimme game they lose so much as like this team just isn't quite there right yet in all the areas I, it needs to be. I hope that Notre Dame fans came away from tonight with a healthy perspective or came away from last night with a healthy perspective that like this is an imperfect team and if you're one of the people that judges Notre Dame football on like if they don't win a national championship like the season is a disaster like this isn't the team for you. Um, if you enjoy watching entertaining, sometimes maddening football, this is probably a good ride. I, I think this will be an entertaining Notre Dame team, but just by like Notre Dame standards. Like even last year, when they went ten and zero, you know the Clemson game was entertaining. Of course, the uh, North Carolina game was was good, but like I'm not sure that was like a wild and crazy team that you're like, Ooh, God, I just can't wait to see what they do next. Um, and I think it's been that way for a few years, maybe even going back to 2017 with, um, you know, when they were just stampeding over people in October and then the, the bottom dropped out. Like this will be as like, this could, this could be a pass happy entertaining team to watch. And it's been a while since Notre Dame's had one of those. I just can't stress enough week one college football. Like how would you like to be a Clemson fan right now? Like, you don't have a good game left on your schedule. You might get left out of the playoff because of a pick six that happened in yeah. week one in a 10-3 game against the best defense in the country. Like, uh, Carolina, I, how many teams entered this season with hopes, high hopes, that are completely washed away right now? And how many others, like Notre Dame or like Iowa State, which barely beat Northern Iowa, can flush that in the rearview mirror and go on and beat Iowa beat Wisconsin and, and still have all those hopes in front of them? I mean, it's... It, I was just so – I was at three games in three days. You were at two games in two days. We both were in all different parts of the country throughout this week. Like, it was just such a, a kind of cathartic feeling to deal with the yep. week one travel and watching and playing issues that we, we miss and love so much um, that we didn't exactly have last year. And we, we got, you especially today, got like the full body experience – Right, right, from from pregame to the game and to wherever the hell you are right now to, to not sleeping yes. probably till 24 hours from now. Yeah, not sleeping last night covering a night game and having a 6 a.m. flight. Just not sleeping tonight covering a night game and having a 6 a.m. flight. But I didn't have to do a podcast after Vanderbilt, East Tennessee State. So <laughs> Thank God for a that. A little, little, little extra workload tonight. Um, so I guess as, you know, maybe we're going to wrap up on this. Like, neither of us feel that different about Notre Dame today than we did yesterday. Is that safe to say? I, I feel like, you know, adjust the knob. Offense could be a little bit better than I thought. Defense could be a little worse. But, like, not in a, whoa, God, just, this was a revelation kind of way. Um, I, I feel worse. I mean, I'm not as good okay. as I feel about Cohen. I, I can't say, like, winning by three at Florida State in overtime is like, all right. 10 and 2, here we come. They could very well go yeah. that, but like we all tend to, not just at Notre Dame, I think everyone everywhere tends to project seasons based on schedules. And I think that right now is thrown completely out the window. Um, like that basis of projection. They, they could go 10 and 2, but um, 
if I can figure out where those two losses come from and how they come, I'll be a rich man because, again, I thought Notre Dame minus seven tonight against Florida State was the lock of the century. And it it should have been, but it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, with this game out of the way, like maybe Virginia Tech slides in is is a little – the trap game that Florida State was not. But, I mean, look, we win 41-38 in overtime. That's not like smooth sailing. So, I – I don't know. Maybe Virginia Tech should be elevated into a game that is losable for Notre Dame. Um, but it's like, you see what happened with Wisconsin. You see what happened with North Carolina. Like, I'm not sure USC was all that impressive. Um, no, they're, they're good on defense. Yeah. The offense was... Uh... Okay. Coming out to the Midwest is tricky for that. And, you know, at the end of the year, Stanford was real bad. Georgia Tech lost to Northern Illinois. Navy was looked um, awful. Navy, oh my God, it's Difficult to understand what's happened to them. So it's, you know, getting through tonight or, you know, whenever Florida, whenever they played Florida State relative to you listening to this <laughs> podcast, um, that was kind of a tripwire game for me. Like if Notre Dame season was going to go sideways, I almost felt like they had to lose to Florida State. Um, something bizarre had to happen tonight, and it didn't. We just got a really entertaining football game instead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think I'm out of words at this point. I, 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 I don't know. It was just quite an experience watching that game and still trying to process what happened there and trying to make any worthwhile projections based off it. I mean, I, I'm very, very concerned about the defense going forward. I am. And the offensive line, I, I don't know if I'd use the word concern, but I, it definitely wasn't what I expected it would be, um, even under those yeah. circumstances. And I feel like, I mean, if you had to say, like, I'm more concerned about the O-line than I am, than I am about the defense. Because I'm not sure they had – like, I think the defense was – you're figuring out who you play where and when and how much. Um, offensive line is like those five guys. I don't – there's not – and now Fisher's out, so it's Carmody is one of those five. Like, I don't know if there's a whole lot of other options there. No, like, but don't, you can scheme around that. And, like, Kyron and Tyree, I mean, they fought for a lot of extra yardage on a lot of these yeah. – like, I, I just – not excusing the offensive line, but I just think there's enough talent around there, and Jack Cohn's a smart enough quarterback where you can neutralize that as best as possible. I mean, yeah. Clemson finally got exposed last night, but Clemson's the best program without really any good offensive line play that I've ever seen. Like, they're never good on the offensive line, but they're so good everywhere else, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, it's an interesting point. I will be – I don't know how much we're going to learn on, against Toledo. That's fine. Um, Purdue maybe is good enough to make it interesting. It's a good baseline. Um, like, yeah. all right, normal yeah. environment, power five Certainly team. You should be Wisconsin. If you know, like the Cone Mertz thing will be fascinating, um, and then you know we'll see where they go from there. But if you're a Notre Dame fan, I I would hope that you came away more encouraged by what you saw Sunday night than discouraged. And I know not every Notre Dame fan feels that way based on my inbox and my mentions. But I think that would be a healthy perspective on this. Like, they got out of Florida State. This team is entertaining. They're fun to watch. They have a quarterback who pushes the ball downfield. You're, like, getting some of the things you were asking for the last couple of years. Um, so, we'll, I mean, we'll see where it goes from here. But it's, it's going to be a very entertaining season with an entertaining team if you're a Notre Dame fan, just as long as you don't freak out all the time when they get into overtime. <laughs> When, when they get into overtime, that, that phrase alone, I think, is cause for freak out. Uh, yep. We'll end it with our friend Sam Warner, nerding graduate and fan who covered Pittsburgh for a while, tweeted, uh, what'd you do this weekend? Watch my favorite college football team win in overtime against a traditional rival. 
oh, nice. Sounds like fun. Absolutely not. <laughs> I think it sounds about right based on the uh, the mentions in the message boards as uh, Notre Dame wraps up a 41-38 overtime win at Florida State. Um, heading towards Toledo, we will be back next week. We're efforting to have a guest who may have some good knowledge of what happened on Sunday night. Uh, join us on the Shamrock. We'll see if that works out. But if not, Matt and I will be here. And then, uh, yeah, getting ready for Notre Dame Toledo week two. Um, and then I think, well, frankly, can we just count down to Wisconsin already or do we want a breather? I don't think we can count down to Wisconsin yet. We can't count. Okay, all right. Got to go one and zero every week with this season, Pete. It's it's not all last right. year. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. He, he's my cliched co-host, uh, and I'm just my I'm just the regular co-host, Pete Sampson. He's Matt. I'm Pete. You've been listening to the Shamrock here at two thirty one a.m. Your eyes are like Monday, closing in front of 6th. me right now. So like, go, yeah. go to bed. I'll, I'll we're out of here. I'll get this. That's the wrap for the Shamrock. <laughs> Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you next week.